If you can join me again in the gospel according to Mark, uh, we'll be in the eighth uh, chapter. Again, you, you're welcome to join in the Version Bible app uh, for this. You can see it in our live event, Zion Baptist Church. The Bible app will have the text right there for you, too. I'm going to lift up for us, uh, as we had read verse 31 to 38 already, I would like to lift up for us to listen again to Jesus expressing who he is as the Son of Man in verse 31. Verse 31 says, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. As you take your seat, you can help me announce this sub subject matter to your neighbor. Tell him the son of man, the greatest gift of all. This is the time after Christmas and stores have their sales and people take back gifts that they didn't want or this the wrong size or they didn't like it. So they go on back the next day to return that gift or to exchange it for a better gift. But I'm here to stand on this morning to declare with us that the Son of Man is the greatest gift of all. That this is the gift that you will not look to exchange. This, this is not the gift you're looking to return. This is not the kind of gift that you will be unsatisfied with. But this is the gift that you will cherish, that you will hold on to, that you will love. Because it's the greatest gift. But in the same circumstance of sometimes we have received gifts that we did not first appreciate. We have received some gifts that we thought were not useful, but in the time they became very useful when you found out what it was good for. There's been some times you received a gift that you did not even know you had because you didn't unwrap that gift. It was still there where you left it, thought it was for somebody else, and then they came to tell you, no, it is yours. And when you unwrapped, you found out, oh, that's what I've been waiting for. In the same way, the Son of Man, he too came as a gift, but many did not accept this gift. Many rejected this gift. Many did not believe the gift was good for what it came for. How is that look in this text? Verse 31, it says, then Jesus began to teach how the Son of Man must do some things here. Son of Man will be betrayed and he will be turned over and handed over to the and, and, and deceived and then they will kill him. But it says three days later, he'll rise again. Now, to us, that's great news because we understand we're living in the time of, yes, our Lord is resurrected. But here's the time, the present time he's walking with them and they are not able to understand how can the son of man, the Christ, the son of God die? Even that, how can he be betrayed and handed over to the ones you should be conquering? If you look closely, go back a little bit further. Jesus asked them, who do they say I am? 
This is a very important question he asks of them because they were anticipating. Many of them had followed John the Baptist, so they started saying that you are this, you are that. He says, great, I'm here. The people say I'm John the Baptist. I'm great. The people say I might be Elijah. I'm great. The people say I might be another kind of prophet. But my question is to you who've been with me so long right now, who do you say that I am? Peter, being the spokesperson, spoke up and looked at him dead in the face and said, look here, Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. Oh, this was good news that Peter could reply, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about this. And then he began to tell them that you understand who I am. Now let me tell you what I'm going to do. You see, the Son of Man did not come as they expected. That's why he had to teach them. I'm glad you understand that I am the Son of God. But look, I'm going to come in the way you did not expect. Look look what happened here. He started teaching them. Y'all see that there? He started teaching them. And the the New Living Translation said he made it plain. That means there was no confusion of what he was saying. It was clear, crystal clear, broken down so that a kindergarten, a preschool, everybody could understand what he was saying. So there was no way they would walk away and say, he was just speaking too educated for me or he was confusing me. No, they understood. And so therefore, Peter, again, the spokesperson says, let me take him aside. And he started rebuking Jesus. Can you picture it? The, the followers try to correct the teacher trying to tell him you're wrong and what's going on that you messed up and 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 the bible makes it clear to us that he goes to the side and jesus rebukes him and then he looks at the disciples says y'all messed up too but he gets to peter the spokesperson says get ye behind me satan look closely here what he's pointing out to him that he says you have the mind not of god You see, the Son of Man came as a gift from God. And when we receive the gift from God, we see it for what it is. But when we are blinded by our own selfish ambition, pride, and ego, we start looking for what we want. And we miss what God's trying to give us. He's making it clear to him. Say, look here, look here. You're not seeing it from God's perspective. And since you're not seeing it from God's perspective, you're missing the whole picture. And since you're missing the whole picture, let me give you a better example of what it means that I am the son of man. He goes down further telling them that if you want to truly follow, you've been with me for some time now. But if you really want to follow me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. I want to clarify that you can't just do one. You got to do them all. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him that's the equation it's all together so the son of man did not come how they were expecting you can see how peter could be upset because how, how can my leader my friend the one the son of god who's come with authority remember he came as prophet priest and he's already king but yet you see he's going to come back in his glory to establish his kingdom but they were expecting an earthly kingdom But he was coming another way. How the Son of Man came, we understand he came, what? Humbly. Y'all see that there? 
He, he was even humble that after he did a miraculous thing of healing the blind man, he told the people, don't tell anybody else. Uh, Jesus was, revealed himself to Peter as the Messiah. He told him, don't tell anybody else. And then you keep on reading towards the ninth chapter. He has a transfiguration up on the mountain. He tells him, don't tell anybody else. He was walking around humbly, knowing who he was, but yet he showed us how to live. So Peter answered to him, you are the Christ. But then Jesus starts teaching him who the Christ is and what he's going to do. Peter gets confused and he's not understanding what's going on. And he, he, he tries to rebuke Jesus. But look how Jesus had to rebuke Peter. You see how Peter thought he was doing something, but Jesus had to put it back on him. Watch out, somebody. When we trying to correct God. Watch out when God has to correct. As strong as the word was rebuked as Peter did to Jesus as one who had authority, one who has authority had the last word. Isn't it clear in our lives that God always going to have the last word? And so the son of man makes it clear to him that you must get aside of me. You're, you, you, you are confusing who, what you want with what God wants. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then look, he says, then calling towards the crowd and turning to disciples as if any of you. See, he's making clear that Peter's not the only one that has the issue because he's your spokesperson. Many of you have the same issue, the same complex. So let me make it clear that if any of you want to follow me. So we see the Son of Man is our greatest gift. So what stops us from receiving this great gift? What stops us? What hinders us from following after the Son of Man? The major thing that he's pointing out to us is yourself. He says that you first must deny yourself. Now, what does it mean to deny yourself? It does not mean you deny that you exist. It does not mean you deny who you are. It means that you no longer live to please yourself. Y'all quiet on me. Uh, it means that you could have woke up early this morning and says, you know what? I want to go shopping or I'm going to go to church. Y'all quiet on me. It could be Wednesday night. You got off work and you know what time Bible study starts. But you says, you know, the game's about to come on. I, I'll stay here instead of go to church. Y'all quiet on me. It, it could be that it's noon, it's noon, it's 12 o'clock. You have your lunch and you oftentimes read your devotion. But this time you're tired and you don't want to do anything. So you just sit down and eat your lunch and go back to work still with the same messed up attitude and wonder what's going on. But yet when you are denying yourself, you'll put stuff aside that will satisfy you. So Lord, what will bring you glory? That means I might sacrifice my morning and I get up and spend some quality time with you. I said quality. It's not the quantity that matters. Because a lot of us spend a lot of time in a lot of places where it absolutely means nothing. But we can have some quality time. And that quality time might be just 60 seconds of praise. But that 60 seconds is a lot better than 60 seconds of doing nothing. And so we can realize that, Lord, I, I, I deny myself, meaning this, that I will give myself away. 
That I, I would rather watch this. I'd rather read this. But no, I want to see your word. And I want your word in my heart. And the only way your word is going to get in my heart, if I get in your word. And sometimes, if you be true to the matter of the fact that we watch more movies, read more novels and other books and the newspaper, then we read the word of God. But when people come around, you want to tell them how you're well-versed and you're well-read. I want to say, I know what the word says. I'm, I'm glad you know what the word says, but also the word says you need to be in it daily. Not every other day. You know, many of us have it every other day. That's Sunday, that's Wednesday. And another day in between. But it's not every day. And when we get in this word every day, watch what happens here. We start getting smaller and smaller. He starts getting bigger and bigger. That's why I can deny myself. Then I'm able to pick up my cross because I'm able to pick up the cross because it's signifying what Christ is doing for us. Look, we come to this earth to live. He came to this earth to die. Think of how oftentimes we read somebody's obituary. We say, look how they lived. But when we think of Jesus, we say, look how he died. <laughs> this, this, again, is the paradox of Christ's teaching that he gives us things that does not make sense in this earthly world. But in the kingdom of God, it makes total sense. Because look what he gave us. He said it clear to us. What does a man profit to gain the whole world? But loses his soul. One translation might say this afterwards. It says that, you know, what is it profit in my man to gain a whole or lose his soul? How much is his soul worth? Or how much can you raise a price that your life is worth that? And we can't raise a price high enough. I, I, I don't care how, how much the, the lotto is. I guarantee you, somebody says, I'll give you this for your life. You'll say, no, you can keep it. Because what are you going to do with all that dead, that money and you dead? It's not worth it, is it? And so how is it that we live for stuff that's worth nothing and not live for the king who's worth everything? Jesus says the son of man must suffer, must be betrayed, must die, but he'll rise again on three days. He says that we want to follow him. We must deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. And so in picking up my cross is showing that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me because I've been crucified with him. When you've been crucified with Christ, that means you're carrying your cross. And when you're carrying your cross, that means it's you're carrying, you're surrendering, your submission to his will, not your will. That means you don't have to look over your shoulder because you're looking ahead at, at Christ, the higher prize, the higher calling, and keep your eyes on him, not worried about what other people are going to say about you, how they're going to talk about you, because you realize that they did the same to Jesus. And if they could do that to the man who knew no sin, they could do it to the man who lived a righteous life. If they can do it to the man who was the son of God, the king of kings, the lords of lords, the host of hosts, how much more are they going to do to us? Because we don't have a throne. We don't have a kingdom. We don't have any power. But yet we have the power of our Lord and Savior that's within us. And he made it clear to us that nobody can separate us from his great love. And so when we walk in obedience, we humble ourselves, we remove our pride, we remove our ego so that we can make room for him. In Christmas, we are the, the part of the play everybody celebrates right when there's no room at the end. And, and we start thinking about how could they not have room for Jesus? And we get so hard on the innkeeper and say, man, he, he did not know what was going on. You, 
What about us who do know? And we don't make any room for Jesus. Jesus made it clear, how can we make room? We got to remove self. Think about it. When you sit down to eat, you remove the stuff from the place you want to sit down to eat so you can sit down and relax and eat. And when you sit down to eat and you relax, that's a place of comfort. That's a place of safety. That's a place of communion. Jesus says, behold, I, I come knocking at the door. And if you answer, he says, I'll come in and I'll sup with you. He wants to have communion and fellowship with us. In order for us to do that, we got to remove self. We got to remove ego because this is what many of us do. If, if we tell the truth about it, that when people come knocking on our door, we don't want to answer. We act like we're not there. And that's our ego. That's pride. I just got home. I don't got time for this salesperson. What you want? I don't want any of what you have. You know, we, we just don't want to deal with it. Or the phone rings, right? You just get in the phone starts ringing. That's why I got a voicemail. Let us see who's calling. I don't care about it. It's a 1-800 number. What they trying to sell me now? You know, we, we are willing to give up because we don't want to give up time. But there's certain times in our lives that we got to deny ourselves and say, Lord, have your way. That's picking up that cross. That's being dead to our own desires, our own personal feelings. And realize another aspect of thinking about how we have to deny ourselves. Think about how when you got to tell somebody, please forgive me. Oh, that's denying yourself because you know you're right. You wake up every morning knowing you're right. Am I right about it? I haven't met a person yet that never thought they were right. And so when we know that we're right and we find out that we are wrong, now we have to deny ourselves and admit I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Oh. And, and, and initially it kind of hurts coming out of the mouth. But once you finish saying it, you feel so much better. Like, wow, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was. And part of this process of, of, of learning how to ask for forgiveness is a process of you realizing that you have to always ask for forgiveness. Because daily we messing up, but God says, come. If you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so we start thinking in the perspective of God's view and saying, God, you have done so much to me. You've been so loving towards me. You've been so forgiving towards me. How can I not be the same? To my brothers and my sisters. Jesus made it clear that when he gave us the Lord's prayer, forgive me for my trespass as I forgive those who trespass against me. Am I lying? We better watch ourselves that we are lying while we're praying to God. Lord, forgive me as I forgive and still holding the grudge, still angry, still ready to smack them if you see them again, still sitting nasty messes about them. But you're going to say, God, forgive me as I forgive those. I got to deny myself, pick up my cross, kill this old flesh, kill this old man and realize that it's no longer I who live, but it's he who lives. So let me live my life for him who died for me. So what's hindering me from following the son of man? Myself. So I got to deny myself. I got to take up my cross. You see how personal it is. I can't take up your cross. I got to take up my cross, but we're quick to take up somebody else's cross. I'll tell you about your issues. I'll tell you about your problems. I'll tell you about your sin, but don't you dare talk about me. Because I'm righteous. I'm holy. I know what the word of God said, but I'm here to teach you. 
But when we understand that we're here as the body of Christ to build up and encourage one another, I want to hear what you have to say because I want to be better. I'm realizing that I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything that is right, and I need somebody to be real and truthful towards me. But the ego and the pride, we become judgmental. We become hard-hearted that we can't listen. But Jesus says that you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. This is the part that is the accumulation of when we follow after him. Look what the Son of Man again says is going to happen to him. It says, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. Do you see here? The Son of Man is making clear to them, this is what's going to happen to me. So if you're going to follow me, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be rejected by those who said they knew about me, taught about me. They're going to reject me. They're even going to conspire to kill me. And they will be successful in killing me. But three days later, I will rise again. They, 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 they heard the first part, but the latter part, there was not, because how can you die? But look what, again, how Jesus pointed out to us, well, we must die too. We must die to ourselves. Look at the teaching he gives them, these paradise he gives them. It says, if anyone wants to be my father, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will what? Lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will what? Save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in this adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You see here how we break it down to us, what it means to deny ourselves that we must stop living for ourselves. So what does a man prosper? What does a woman profit gaining the whole world but losing the soul? If you look at society, it's all about wealth. Just think about it, how, how even on your phone there's an app to tell you what the stock market is doing. They have a channel devoted to you how money's working. We have in the papers what, a money section. Many people get caught up on tracking and keeping track of how can I get more money and more money. Realizing that, 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 that money will make up who they are. But the sad aspect is this, that if money makes up who you are, what happens when you lose all that money? What did you gain? What does a man profit gain in the whole world but losing his soul? So in the process of looking at this, that Lord help me not to get caught up with my material possessions, with my status in life, with the things that people compliment me on, the plaques I have on my wall, the degrees I have attained, the money I have in multiple accounts and offshore seas accounts, but yet let me find out that my life is not based on these things, but based in you. That's what he's pointing out. He said, look here. He says, lose your life for what? My name's sake. And for the gospel, you shall what? Save it. But try to hold on and you will lose it. Does that make any sense? How can you hold on to something and lose it? 
Don't make sense in this world, does it? If I hold on to it, it's mine. That's what I'm holding on to. Even kids understand that, right? You watch a little baby, got a toy they want, they have it in one hand. And they'll play with the other toys with the other hand. And you try to, you try to distract them, mine. Meaning this, I know that if I let go of this, I will no longer have it. And so I will hold on to it. But yet in the kingdom, he's pointing out to you, you can hold on to it, but what, you still can lose it. Mm, mm. He made it clear to that man with the bigger barn, remember? He held on to it, but he lost it. This day you die. It's pointing out to us that you don't, you're not as strong as God because death is going to come. And since death is going to come, it's better to give up your life for his sake than to die for somebody else's sake. We must live for him. Remove our selfish ambition, living for a paycheck, living for status, living for all these other things that they may give us some kind of reward, but it's no eternal reward. Only what Christ gives us has eternal value. Is anything worth more than your soul? Think about that. What's worth more than your life? Think about how much your life is worth that in order for your life to be saved, Jesus had to give up his. In order for your life to be saved, Jesus had to give up his. Think about this. Let me bring it to you. You might see, you, many of us have been around cancer. And, and, and saw many people die by this, this, this disease that sucks so much out of your life. And, and just think about how if Christ was here now and saw your loved one dying with cancer and see them in pain and suffering. And Christ grabs their arm and all of a sudden they start regaining life. Their body gets back to the health and the weight that he was when it was at his prime. The eyes are glittering, the appetite is regained, but yet at the same time, he starts to shrivel. He starts to become what they were, death. That's what he's done for us. That he took the curse of our sickness, the curse of our pain of sin, and says, I'll put it on me so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The many times when he healed people, he restored them back in prime. They were never worse. They were better. Hand looked like a baby's hand. <laughs> skin was like a baby's skin. It was always brand new when he refreshed and healed somebody. How much more he says that to us, and we find it in Paul when he writes it, that he is in Christ is a new creation. So you see here how Jesus is pointing out to us. That in order for us to understand who he is, we must understand why he came. And he came to suffer and die, but thank you, Lord, he did not stay in the grave. But he says, three days later, I will rise again. And he's saying, here, I'm telling you this truth so you can follow after me. That how you follow after, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow after me. And look what he makes it clear that if you got some questions of what it means to follow me, it means this, you must lose your selfish ambition, lose your pride and your ego. Stop living for this world or start living for me. Watch out now that if you can't live for me and you are ashamed of me, Holy God, light of the world, in this dark, sinful world, I'll be a, oh, glory be to God, I'll be ashamed of you. And look what he says, when I'll be ashamed, when I come back. Watch out. How can you live your whole life 
and be ashamed of him. And when he comes back, he don't know you because you never knew him. You see here that when we give up our lives for him, he's promised us eternity. Oh, glory be to God. And he's going to establish that eternity when he comes back. Y'all know he's coming back again. You, and, and when he comes back, he says with the father, oh, glory be to God. He's coming back with power and authority to establish his kingdom. And the angels are going to be with them to be his witness of him establishing his kingdom. So what does that mean to me? That means this, that I should have myself ready. To enter the kingdom. Because the king has come and shown us how to live by dying. So I must live too by dying. I must give my life away. I must say not my will but thy will be done. I must learn how to be forgiving, loving, patient, and caring just as Christ was. I must learn how to have his word hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him so that I might understand that the son of man and coming in his glory is coming to establish and for us to further to further receive and accept our eternity of salvation. Because you see that how look how it is that he came not as they expected him to come. Peter rebuked him. Jesus has to go and rebuke them and set the record straight. If you are ashamed of me, if you don't believe who I am, that I say that I am, I will be ashamed of you. But when we understand the principle of denying ourselves and picking up our cross and following after him, look here, we have nothing to be ashamed of. We're going to be saying, Jesus, come. We'll say as the same kind of Maranatha, me, Lord, come quickly. We'll be anticipating the establishing of his kingdom. Just as, think about it, how you got a special guest coming over to your house. Do you not clean it up? Do you not get it ready? Men, am I right about it? If you got a date, that first date in your old messed up car, don't you not get it detailed? Get it cleaned up so you can show us so out. We do all these things in preparation of receiving a special guest. Can I tell you that someone's coming back? And he's coming back with all power and all authority and all glory. And he's told you what you can do to get yourself ready. When he comes back, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow after him. And he says, I'm coming with all power and all authority. All your troubles will be over. All your pain will be over. All your struggles will be over. And I'm coming with peace. I'm coming with joy. I'm coming there so you might have rest. Good day now, church. May the Lord bless you real good. Long your way home. You ought to testify that he's coming back again and I'm getting my life ready. I'm surrendering all to him because my life belongs to him. Because I was bought by a price and that price was the blood of Jesus. Nothing can wash me and make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that washed me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's why he's the greatest gift. The son of man. The greatest gift. And the beautiful thing is, it'll be a new gift tomorrow. And the day after that, because he's the same today as he was yesterday, he will be tomorrow. Guess this, there's no expiration date on this gift because he's the Alpha and the Omega. 
He is the beginning and the end. This gift does not need any batteries for its eternity. (laughs) Everything was included. His joy, his peace, his love is all included. So when we get this gift, it is an eternal, ever-giving gift. And Cassius, you don't have to get any refills. You don't have to get an upgrade because this gift uh, is forever and ever. Amen. So will you receive him? Will you surrender to him? Will you accept him? Let's have a word for the Lord. We come surrendering our lives to you. Realizing, Lord, that we too must deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow after you. We are anticipating of you coming in in glory and in power. And, Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for your mercy. And, Lord, we thank you that you have given us, we have given us eternal life as we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Minister to us right now, O God. Speak to us right now, Father Lord. Have your way right now in this place, we pray. Amen.